Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversations on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien with Nicole Braddock Bromley, and we're so grateful you're here as we continue this powerful conversation with clinical therapist Debbie Paxton on trauma triggers. The goal is, and the hope is that the stimulus, the trigger, eventually doesn't link. There's like almost an extinction of the link, the connector between that and the old event. Right? Yes. Like that was then, this is now. Yes. Triggers can be healed so that you're in a circumstance and it might like shake you a second. Mm. And then, then you're fine. You realize, oh yeah, you know, that doesn't take me back there anymore. Yeah. It maybe reminds me of it. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't put you back so that you're all, you're experiencing all those emotions again. And then, you know, there's some triggers that, you know, like I was talking about watching a movie, like you're never going to want to do that to yourself. You know, watching a movie where there's a sexual assault scene, say, if you have sexual trauma. Yeah. Uh, because there's some triggers that are like, yeah, just so intense that it it's going to maybe stir up some stuff, even if you've had a lot of healing. Mm-hmm. But I think for a lot of triggers, they can be disarmed. It's almost like a, a booby trap. It's like a minefield. And you have these triggers in the ground and you don't even know where all of them are. And if you step on them, it it can blow up and then you're back in a memory. Yeah. But with trauma work and healing work, you can disarm those so that they don't just blow up in your face when you're not expecting it. Is it just me or do, does it feel like once there's one trigger, there's like so many more, like the minefield feels so real because it's like, life's going well and then all of a sudden there's one and then there's also 17 ahead like <laughs> in the same week yeah it what depends especially if you're in a season of healing mm. you know I do think sometimes it can feel like a little bit of a a season you know of course when you first are doing the work it's a big intense season but then yeah down the road you feel like you're in a pretty good spot and you you kind of get a a trigger and and maybe you make the connection you work through it and you think well that was a one-off you know mm-hmm. and then something else and then you kind of notice oh I think maybe I'm um working on another layer yeah okay. because it is layers in healing and mm-hmm. and there are seasons where we're really kind of working on it mm-hmm. and then seasons when we're not we're we're, we're basically you know okay uh, and sometimes in those seasons when we're feeling okay, we can have a random trigger or two, but then sometimes it's like, oh, I think I'm maybe doing another layer of work. Mm-hmm. And that can feel hard and you can, you can kind of feel discouraged. Like seriously, like what else can I do? I need to do with this. But if you can remember, you always have the base to build on. You have the healing that you've already had. And mm, so even if there's another layer it's not going to be the same as the first time around yeah it's not going to take as long it's not going to be probably as difficult as intense there may be intense and difficult moments but you're always building like building blocks and so you have the solidness the integration the healing that you've already had when you approach a new layer 
-hmm. And so in some ways it's, it's kind of accelerated maybe yeah. from the first go around. Yeah. That's a good visual picture of what it looks like. Cause sometimes you, again, you question like, why did I put in all that work before when I'm right back to the beginning? You're not. <laughs> you're not. Yes. So important to say that because you're not. Yeah. You're not back you, to the beginning. What do you advise survivors to maybe say to others, like loved ones when they're being triggered? I feel like I'm being triggered is such like a, I don't know, a common statement these days. People can be triggered. Uh -huh. My kids say that, like they're triggered because Trigger warning. they heard, yeah, well, like they hear like a weird sound and it makes them uh -huh. feel like pricklies on the back, on their back, like they're triggered. No, you're not triggered. You just, yeah. whatever it is, you know what uh -huh. I mean? But, but for survivors who, you know, there's a little bit of, what do you say? I don't know, like a, sort of a negativity or a fear maybe more or less to admit to loved ones that you might feel triggered you know like how will they take that I think a lot of us are afraid of looking weak to people around us um, or unhealed mm -hmm. especially for people who aren't trauma-informed like loved ones who aren't aware or have any sense of what mental health you know is like or mm -hmm anything like that. And so it's like, you just want to swallow it down and not talk about it, but you are triggered and you're not being yourself in this relationship. Do you, mm -hmm. do you ever have any advice for survivors or, or, you know, for survivors listening today that might be like, I just don't know how to, you know, navigate my close relationships when I'm feeling like that. Like there's a, is there like a go-to to like explain that to somebody or is it not even our business? Is it not our business to do that? We just need to get our own self-care and not worry about everybody else. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right that the word trigger has gotten to be so overused in the culture that it's starting to lose its real meaning. Yeah. And so that's frustrating for people that really are triggered uh, because right. it, with that, it, it comes almost like a minimization. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's like minimize. I'll trigger yeah. warning. Oh, you know, I'm triggered. Um, yeah, and so that's unfortunate because uh, you know maybe using that word uh, brings to mind different things than it used to. Mm -hmm. But I would say you know kind of like whether it's a trigger or other things, if you can think about your relationships in circles, uh -huh. and you've got your inner circle. Then you have, you know, people that know you and they're good friends, you know, but maybe they don't know you in depth or you don't share everything. Mm -hmm. And so when you're triggered, you know, hopefully you have at least a couple people in your inner circle that know your story. That it can be really helpful and safe because you want it to be safe. You want it to be someone that if you share that with you're going to get a compassionate and understanding response. You don't want to add to your load right. by sharing it with someone who's not going to be able to be an empathic witness to you. You know, he's not going to be able to hear it and respond with understanding and love and compassion. Mm -hmm. So you want to be discerning about who you would share that with, but hopefully in your inner circle, there's a couple people that you could say, you know, yeah, this, this thing happened and I'm, I'm feeling really triggered or it's taking me back to some trauma and I'm kind of doing a little more work right now or just, mm -hmm. you know, it was a hard day um, because of that. And then in your outer circle, you know, maybe people that you wouldn't share that with, 
you can still share something, but maybe use different language, you know, yeah. just saying, you know, just More struggling. Yeah, yeah. Struggling last week. I'm off. So if I don't see myself, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So just noticing who your people are and what they know and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh being thoughtful about that so that you don't get that poor response that then just makes you feel worse than you did before. Mm-hmm. But with our really inner circle, you know, hopefully part of the healing journey when you first engage in it is educating those people, you know, helping them to, to understand. Yeah. And I know. hate that that can be sometimes our job because it seems like, why should that be our job? They should be doing I have one friend, she's just like, I am not, it's not my job to educate my husband on all this stuff. He needs to go read all these books, listen to all these podcasts if he really loves yeah. me. And I'm like, yeah, I totally agree. But also, I think that there is a lot to say about hearing it straight from your mouth and your situation and your feelings where, you know, if you have a partner or a loved one who can listen, that's the best education is listening to you yeah yeah it is if you have the energy yeah and also you know it's also understanding especially for a spouse or a partner um especially uh I guess that sounds stereotyping it's stereotypical but if it's a male I think especially Mm. uh they they can have a really difficult time with it uh, because they love you so much. For one, I think it's it's more abstract uh, for men, at least in my experience, to understand that something that happened years ago can feel like it's happening now. Unless, you know, they're a veteran, then they get it. Because mm-hmm. that's what PTSD is. Um, yeah. But, you know, to understand like, yeah, that happened when you were just a kid. And why is it affecting you today in that same way? Sometimes it's hard to understand, but also another piece of that for a spouse or a partner is it's so incredibly painful Mm -hmm. to them to really get it, to really understand in an emotional way that this thing happened to this person that I love. Yeah. And there's just nothing I can do about it. Right. And especially, you know, um, for, for men or a, a partner who's really protective you know, it's like that instinct is I want to protect and I can't because this already happened. Right. And it, that just causes so much um, pain and angst in them that sometimes and that they, they can't reconcile that. Mm-hmm. I can't go back and protect her. I can't make this thing not have happened. Then it's almost like I've seen it with husbands, like just produce a shutdown. Yeah. You know, they just have to shut it down because they just can't, they can't be too present to it. And so sometimes as a survivor, part of it is, is being able to understand that doesn't mean that they don't love me. And that doesn't mean even that they don't want to be there for me in the way that I need them to be. But sometimes they can't. And so it is okay to have other people in our life that can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know and so sometimes with with spouses it's you know I gotta give the high the glossy version 
you know, I, not details. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, I'm remembering this thing, you know, and um, hopefully they know the bare basics. I think they should be at least able to know the bare basics of your story of what happened to you. Yeah. But then when you're triggered and you're now, you can just reference it in a general way. Mm-hmm. And they might not be able to go with you blow by blow. Yeah. Right. right it right. might be too painful. Mm-hmm. Um, but your therapist, you know, lots of times a friend or another survivor can go with you blow by blow. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's, it's trying to, to reconcile that with the people that love us and to yeah, understand. That's really helpful. Cause a lot of times yeah. I think, you know, as a survivor, we want everybody to be able to go blow for blow, you know, like mm-hmm. we want you to be able to enter into whatever mm-hmm. we are feeling, mm-hmm. experiencing the healing we're going through. If you are my person, you need to be able to hear it all and feel it all. Mm-hmm. But it's really important what you're saying because it it doesn't mean that relationship isn't as important as it is. It doesn't mean it's not as solid as it is just because they can't do that. It's their capacity. And it's okay to seek that in other relationships, um, knowing that that person hopefully yeah. still is very caring and compassionate. I think about my grandfather, who is one of the most important people in my life. He's no longer around, but when I was little, like he was always like my safe place. And when I got older, I was really frustrated because he would never read my book. He wouldn't read my story. And my grandma was always like watching me talk Mm -hmm. about sexual abuse, like on the TV interviews. And my grandpa would go in another room and I just was like so hurt by that because I'm like, he's my Mm. person. Why does he not want to acknowledge my Mm -hmm. story or anything? And it wasn't until after he had died, my grandmother broke it all down for me and said it was just too hard for him. He loved you so much. And he was so mad that he couldn't protect Uh you from what you went through. It had nothing to do with him not caring or anything. It was in fact the opposite. And that was, wow, very eye-opening to me. Yeah, that's such a good example. Nicole. And when you say, you know, you're thinking because they're my person, they should be able to hear it all go blow by blow. And, and I would say it's exactly because they are your person Mm -hmm. that sometimes Mm -hmm. they can't. That's the reason they can't. Mm -hmm. Because they're your person. They're so dialed into you. They love you so much. They care about you so much. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a person that's a degree removed from that relation. Yeah to be able to do the blow by blow. Yeah. And that's absolutely fine and healthy and good. (laughs) Yes. It doesn't mean, you know, that your person doesn't love you just like your example. It almost sometimes can mean the opposite that they love you so much and they're Mm -hmm. so hurt and so angry by what happened to you that they can't, they can't bear the blow by blow. Mm -hmm. It's too much, but you need somebody who can Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a counselor for sure would be able to do that, but even some friends, you know, and, and sometimes what I'll say to clients, but also, you know, I, I have friends, I know people that are abuse survivors and I'll say, you know, if, if you lived through it, I can live through here and about it. You know, if you had to live through it and survive that, then I can survive hearing the details. Mm-hmm. 
and and everybody, everybody needs somebody. somebody like that. Yeah, yeah an empathic witness. Yeah, that can say, "Hey, if you if you had to go through this, I'll go through hearing about it with you." Mm -hmm. Right. But it doesn't always have to be our spouse or partner. Yeah. Sometimes you need to pay somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, right. And hopefully if they're good, you know, you know that the reason they're doing it is nothing to do with the money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you sometimes that. you do have to go seek someone that it's their profession. I mean, that's what they Correct. decided to put their life out there for and it's okay to pay them. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they're going to be able to actually lead you into healing. Right. Uh, in yeah, a way that I, you know, a lot of survivors you. feel yeah. alone. Like no one wants to listen to me. I've, you know, I've been mm -hmm. proven and time and time again. Like they're just so upset because no one has been there to listen. But that's why I'm saying sometimes you need to go find someone that that's their actual job. Yes, correct. There's because always somebody. That, yeah, and it's through that listening and that relationship with the professional that healing is going to happen. Especially around this time of year, you're probably really good at taking care of everybody else, but this is something just for you. Unleash is an eight-week online cohort for survivors of sexual abuse of any kind. The course features a weekly video and journal exercises and a weekly virtual support group meeting with Nicole and a small group of other survivors. Next groups begin January 8th, and as a podcast listener, use code FRIEND50 that's code FRIEND50 for 50 bucks off the e-course. Find the registration and all the info online at imonevoice.org slash unleash. I wanted to go back to, you know, as we were walking through sort of some of the steps of reconnecting, you know, your younger you and, and um, or not reconnecting, but finding the connection from the younger you to the trigger and the now. And um, I think one thing that I didn't realize was maybe a step of the healing there was, you have said this before in the past of, can the younger you receive this new knowledge, this truth, you know, that maybe your adult version can see or, you know, that the healing that you've received, maybe spiritually, can that younger you receive that? What does that look like to you? Like, how do you know? How do you know? it? Because to me, that's like, you're kind of completing the process of um, walking through from the beginning of the trigger to making the connection to these feelings are the same. And now I'm like, okay, now I can look back on it and I can see it for what it is. I can breathe again. And, you know, if this kind of trigger comes again, I'm, I might be a little bit more ready, but, but having that younger part of you be able to receive it, receive the truth, receive the comfort, receive whatever the positive thing is that helps with the healing. How do you know that your younger self is able to receive? Is it just a, a sense well it's it's actually in doing the trauma work you know when you revisit that in counseling in a session yeah you know and you're with someone who's trained in experience then they can kind of navigate that with you based on 
because when you go back, like we talked about to a memory of trauma, you feel very much seven. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it's an encapsulated memory apart from time. And so you go into it and all of a sudden you're like feeling and experiencing it. And so the person that is working with you can be interacting and saying, you know, what's happening and engage based on what that little you is saying as to what they're able to receive in the memory mm -hmm. to help. Yeah. That's more like inner um, healing and inner child work in EMDR. Um, and, and sometimes it's, I think can be helpful to pave the way with EMDR first. You're, you're just talking about the memory. You're just saying it, you know, yeah. and then this happened and then this happened. And while you're doing that, you're getting that sensory vibration left to right, left to right. You know, it can be two things that you hold in your hands that vibrate. And so all you're really doing is just retelling the memory while this thing is happening and that's helping dislodge it from one side of the brain to the other. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that can sometimes take some of the intensity out of it mm -hmm. and then pave the way for, for further healing if needed to go into the memory and um, re-experience mm -hmm. uh, a different ending, a different different result, you know, where maybe adult you comes in or, yeah. or uh, Jesus or an angel or something that where you have an encounter in that place that yeah. rewires things. And it's like the peace, there's peace there. Mm -hmm. there wasn't there's chaos before yeah okay um and then you know you're going through life again you know you've had that great experience you feel like you kind of got over the mountain or whatever or, or maybe in another sense you got through the valley and you're kind of like able to breathe again um and then you know life happens again you know it's the reminder that we can't control the world and there will be more experiences to come. And that's so annoying. But I think it's probably also a good reminder too. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like what that means as far as like making your internal world safe versus like just knowing that you can't control. You can't control people. You can't control other drivers. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you can't control the kids at school with better with your kids you know all you can control is what's inside you, you yeah your responses yeah your responses to those situations is what you can control and the more healing that you have the more you do this work then more the more you can respond to these things that happen in our world um, I like to say from your most adult redeemed self is handling it you know you're not triggered into you know a 10 year old you yeah. that is completely panicked by it or shut down by it or has to go to bed for a couple of days because of it yeah the more like healing and integration you have yes then the more you you can be very present in your now in your most adult redeemed self the mm -hmm. most adult you the most healed you uh has so many more tools and resources to navigate the fact that yes, we live in a broken world and there is chaos in the world and things can happen that we don't expect. Mm -hmm. But 
you have the tools and resources to deal with what happens yeah. when you have healing and when you can approach things from from that part of you your your most healed adult self yeah I like how you talk about the tools it does because I think you know when we're talking about triggers they can happen at any time anywhere and that can feel very overwhelming it's why a lot of us end up shutting down or not going out you know Mm -hmm. um but to be reminded that we can gain more tools to be able to deal with all of that that might we might face each and every day that we mm-hmm. ourselves are strengthening our, our inner world to be able to handle it. Um, in our Unleash um, Survivor Cohort, the eight-week group that I lead, we talk a lot about the tools and how, you know, you you might have an umbrella, you know, that you can use if you need it, but it's not that you need it every day, but you have mm-hmm. one, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not going to walk mm-hmm. around with it open at all times but you do Mm -hmm. have one. And so it's a reminder, like I have this if I need it, but I don't always need it. Um, And that kind of reminds me of what we're talking about today is just like the importance of doing this work and to be reminded that I I have this tool now. Like I've, I walked through that hard thing or that, that triggering situation. And I understood where it came from. And now I'm like, I'm smarter because of it. And I recognize the connection now. And so the next time I'm in that rainy you know, circumstance, I can now pull out that umbrella because I, I know that that actually has helped me in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that's really helpful. Um, and Debbie, you you can have this like perspective of, you know, Oh, I'm triggered. Um, you know, I can do what I need to, to ground myself in the moment and to regroup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can revisit later, but also the further you get, you know, it's almost like, um, oh, good. I didn't know that was in there. And now I do. <laughs> and now I'm going to get even more whole. Yeah. You know, that's what a trigger is. It's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's shining a light on something that maybe you didn't even know there were still connections that could trigger you. Now you do. And so, yay, in some ways. Oh, great. I'm going to deal with this and now I'm going to be even more whole than I was before. And you can't be more whole if you don't even know you need it. The trigger (laughs) exposes the need for further healing. And when you have resources to get that healing, Uh it changes your outlook because you're like, okay, then let's do it. Let's go back (laughs) to it. Let's do it. Because the end result is is a better me, a more whole me, a more integrated me, a more adult me. That's going to lead to more abundant life and not being afraid of what's happening in your circumstances because you know you can deal with it. Yeah, that's so good. I almost want to end there, but I have to take you one more step farther. Okay. Okay. (laughs) While I have you. What about for the overachievers? Like the ones that are like, oh, I'm going to get all the tools then. Bring it all on. You say, <laughs> don't trauma troll. Yes. Yeah, we don't have to go trolling for trauma. Um, because we also have to operate out of the roles we have in our now, right? You know, you, you've mm. still got to be mom, uh, wife, yeah. partner, worker, employee. And so if you just start digging after stuff, you know, it can get overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, and you don't want to be 
overwhelmed and immobilized by your story. And even sometimes when you're not trolling for trauma, it can feel that way. You know, when you're in an intense healing season, a lot's coming up. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and so it's, um, you know, spiritually, like one thing I recommend people say is like, you know what, Lord, I'm not trying to go there, but I'm willing to be led there. Ooh, that's good. So in my own self, I'm not going to get up in my head and try to figure it out and think, oh, I need to go back to that. So you're not, I'm not trying in my flesh and myself to go there, but I'm willing to be led there. And so that can happen in your circumstances. You know, if a trigger happens, that's a version of being led there. You know, that's, that's the Lord or whatever highlighting, Hey, you know, here's a place that needs more healing. Yeah. So there's some sense of something outside of you kind of leading you there. Yeah. And it goes back to what you said earlier, just about the importance of noticing, you know, staying curious, noticing, but it's not like going after it, digging, digging. Yeah. There's a difference. There is. And when you have, you know, a broken story, you know, you had like a, a really dysfunctional childhood. Um, it can be tempting to think, you know, okay, I'm getting some tools and I know that this thing and this thing and this thing happened and to start thinking, I got to get, you know, I need to be the one to like pursue going back to all of those places. Yeah. And then that can get really overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And so you you don't have to do that. Just let it unfold at the right pace, either with Mm -hmm. a counselor's help also you know, your circumstances can trigger stuff. There's going to be enough stuff that's going to bring it to the surface. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we're, we have like maybe a whole section of our childhood that's just like super defended in our mm-hmm. mind, you know, it, it's difficult to even go there. Yeah. I like um, how you said defended versus what most people say would be repressed. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Super defended. Well, oftentimes there's a good reason for that. Mm-hmm it's okay. You know, um, that's a protective thing. That place is, is really defended and maybe kind of sectioned off Mm -hmm. and you don't want to decide you're going to just go bust that down. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there is a way that our brain is created that is so protective. And if we just allow it to unfold when we're ready enough, when we have enough healing and margin in our now, then we'll start to see some of those defenses come down and we will be able to access those places, Mm. but we don't want to force it. Yeah. You'll listen to your body, listen to your mind. If it's super defended, there's a reason it's okay to just leave it be for now. Yeah. When, if you need to revisit it, but having compassion, you know, trying to have compassion versus frustration sounds like a key. Yeah. And it's a trusting of the process. The more you're in it, you trust, like, if I need to remember this, if I need to work on this, uh, it'll come up, it'll come into your now. And, you know, if you had a really traumatic childhood, you don't have to revisit every single thing in order to be healing whole. You really don't. There can be themes, you know, themes that are contained in like, multiple years over multiple memories and you can get it to the theme uh in one or two memories you don't have to revisit all of them which is good news yeah yeah it is 
it feels um, a little lighter to hear that, I think, like mm -hmm. less pressure and less of a, you know, finish line that we're racing towards, more of just kind of going about our own pace and trust the process. Yeah, and enjoying the view as we go. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you're, you're in a reprieve, go with it. Mm -hmm. But when another layer comes up, you know, sometimes you have to surrender it a bit at the beginning, but then go with that too, because it's ultimately mm -hmm. just going to lead to a more healed, better you. Yeah. Wow. This has all been so helpful. I just really appreciate your time and just your thoughtfulness yeah. and your your care, like the work that you do to help survivors just be able to navigate their own difficult lives and memories. I mean, it's people like you that honestly keep a lot of us alive. And um, I'm just really grateful for that. Yeah. And I'm a, you know, I'm a wounded healer, like most of us are. And so, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, at least a lot of in the counseling profession. And so, you know, mm -hmm. I've also had someone walk through my journey with me mm -hmm. and help in really hard seasons me to feel like they were helping keep me alive. Yeah. And so uh, it's a journey that I've walked and then it, it's just such a, a holy privilege uh, to be able to walk alongside someone else's journey with them mm -hmm. uh, just as someone did with me. Yeah. Yeah. If you're comfortable answering this, how would you say what what allows you to be able to hear some of the horrible things that others have gone through without that triggering your stuff? You know, as you're talking about you are a wounded healer and you have your mm -hmm. own experiences that obviously, you know, you have great boundaries in your profession and aren't bringing your junk to your clients, but mm -hmm. surely your stuff's triggered. Like what, how do you, how do you care for yourself to keep going, you know, and, and being that empathetic, empathic, what is it? Witness. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the most important thing is you've, you've got to do the work, your own mm. work. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. for me in my story, partly the, the gap there when I was in practice straight out of grad school and then we moved and started a family. And, and in those years of gap, that was my own personal intense time of healing. Okay. And so I was very engaged in my own uh, healing work and seeing a counselor and um, experiencing, receiving, you know, some of what is my joy and privilege to also help people experience now on the other side something yeah. I ex experienced firsthand so you you really have to do your work mm -hmm. uh, in order to be able to keep it separate but also just uh, a trusting of the process that even now sometimes you know if I'm working with something and there's a part to their story that's unexpected um, to me maybe in the moment and there's a trigger it's that perspective that I've been talking about you know I might do the same thing in a session, uh, you know, and because I am a person of strong faith, I'll just say, you know, Lord just told that for me and you and I will get back to that later and help me stay present to this client and attend to what's happening here. 
Mm. And then later, and, and he's so good at that. You know, he just, he just gathers it up and it just holds it for me. And then later we, we revisit it, but it's like, I know if something happens in a session with a client that gets triggered in me, it's only going to be to my benefit. Wow. That's a lot uh, of trust. Yeah. It's going to lead to more healing in me, but I also have enough healing before I even went back into practice to be able to put a pin in it. <laughs> sure. Makes right. Sense. You know, like there mm -hmm. has to be enough of a base there of my own healing work that in a session with a client, I'm not going to get so triggered that I cannot be present to them. Yeah. Right. And that I can't mm -hmm. stick with what's happening with them. I have to be able to put whatever that's producing in me to the side yeah. and go back to it later and stay present. And so that requires, you have to do your own work. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but it's also, you know, I think in many ways, you're uniquely gifted and equipped to walk with someone when you've walked some of that road yourself. Yeah. And had healing. Mm -hmm. And I think most survivors would say we are also more willing to go there and trust someone who also gets it. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's just, you know, for me, it's just something that is part of kind of the redemption that, you know, even though this awful thing happened to me, if I work on it and allow it to be healed, redeemed and restored, then uh, part of the redemption that keeps going ripple effect, ripple effect is that then I'm uniquely gifted to help someone else in that journey. Yeah. You know, and so it's like this uh, repayment. You know, there's there's um, a couple scriptures that say, you know, you, you're going to be repaid um, what the locust robbed. And there's even a scripture that says you'll, you're going to get repaid times seven uh, for everything stolen from you. Mm -hmm. And so seven is actually like the number of perfections. It's not a literal seven. And so I literally get to see that happen. You know, this thing happened to me and then I get to see so many people yeah. also receiving healing and, and I get to be part of that and I'm uniquely gifted to help them in that because of what happened to me. And so I get to see that ripple redemption happening over and over and over again in so many people's lives for so many years mm. that it's incredible. It's such a holy yeah. privilege and it's something that I just love to do and be a part of. Yeah. Well, you're uniquely gifted and so wise. And I'm just really grateful, grateful to know you grateful um, just for your willingness to share with us today. And I know, gosh, so many listeners are, are going to be so inspired by this and just light bulbs are going off everywhere <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. so thank you for turning the light on for so many of us and for so many who've crossed your path. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, that's, hopeful. I'm so grateful to be here because, you know, you're one of my, my ripples, mm. you know, the Lord has uniquely brought me people that not only their own story, but their position to help so many. Um, and so today is, is is a part of that, you know, and, and being able to be on your show and then all the people that will hear from your show and then it just keeps going on and on and on. So 
it's a yeah. privilege to be here. That's a good reminder too. You know, sometimes we can feel so overwhelmed by the impact and the effects of our trauma of the sexual abuse we experience just feels like, you know, we're drowning from the ripple effects, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can look mm -hmm. at the other side of like, you find your voice, exactly. you receive your healing, you exactly. then become, you know, a safe place for somebody else. And then they do too. And the ripple effects far outweigh, you know, the yes. bad. That's such a good reminder. Gosh, thank you, Debbie. You are a rock yes. star. We love you. And I feel really the same way grateful. about you. <laughs> I love awesome. you a whole bunch, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.